people people confuse and mistake me for cool now much more often. You grandfathered into it. <laughs> grandfathered into it, also having like given up the battle, having failed all of my own cool trials. Mm. You know, I could be like a hero's journey type character to have just been determined to be thoroughly uncool. And then as soon as you're like, I guess I'm not cool, people are like, that guy's pretty hey, cool. that guy's pretty cool, yeah. Are you single? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always, yeah. Yeah. you know. I picture you having like some kind of bustier woman, you know? A bustier woman? No, like, you, know, <laughs> like, you know, like she's like wearing <laughs> like, like voluptuous. The, she's yeah. like no, she's wearing like the old garb. Oh, with like the corset, giant dress. You know, I, 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 I could be into that, <laughs> but I feel like, uh, I feel like that woman would be fairly high maintenance. Mm. You know. She's doffing a powdered wig and oh. all of this stuff. It'd be like <laughs> you're getting ready for dinner. <laughs> like you go out for dinner, and she's like two hours in the. Yeah. yeah, it'd be like, hey, like, look, we're we're just picking up some noodles and company. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know where you got these expectations. Where's my cherry? <laughs> yeah, I, I bring up the because I, I heard a, a Gen Zer they they haven't there's a new word and now this is I'm not concerned with getting old. I think it's nice. I, I, I think just you got X amount of days on the planet and just roll with it. But I heard this gal go like, uh, Chugi. You hear about Chugi? I've heard of Chugi. I've, well, I've seen Chugi written. It's a Gen Z's way of say, describing like f like hip millennials for Chugi. Oh, okay. And, and I've never felt more like, get the fuck off my lawn when I heard that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I feel, I feel increasingly old because uh -huh. like, There'll just be famous people in, in that pop up on Instagram stories, or just and I'll be like, "Who the fuck is that?" Yeah. And and it'll turn out that they've been famous for like the last five to ten years. Well, are and you on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. See, that's we're already out of it. We're old men. See, well, and and so I've managed to be, and this is a good, this is good natural plug. Uh, so I'm Kick Holland on like. Like that's my Venmo. If you want to Venmo me some money, that's my <laughs> that's my Twitter. If you want to read my uh, poor yeah. attempts at being uh, uh, clever on the internet, uh, that's my Instagram. Kick Holland underscore art is my art page. Instagram. It's my Facebook name. And I got on TikTok. Enough people have been like TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Mm -hmm. uh, like the clock, like the crocodile from yeah. Peter Pan. Um, and I was like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll give this a try. And it instantly made my phone run super slow. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else already had the username Kick Holland, and I was like, it's all right, it's a wash. I'm not to I'm not meant to be here, you yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know the feeling old thing. It's like, as a guy, I feel somewhat of the advantages of being like. I'm actually like a little like I'm aging better th than because I looked goofy for a long period of time. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was maybe yeah. a nice looking young man, but it was like I was always too scrawny for a little while. I've experienced mm -hmm. a couple uh, changes in metabolism over the last two or three years that have actually been kind of positive for me or not, not terrible. Nice. And so... Um, quitting drinking will do that, huh? Quitting drinking will do that. It's just like, well, yeah, it turns out it was a lot of bread water that I was bread consuming. Water. Dude, I love bread water. I mean, I'm sure you were a connoisseur of bread water. I was water. a big time bread water What guy. was your biggest bread water flavor for you? Oh. Because me, it's like IPA. See, IPA, like, because by the tail end of my drinking, uh, my 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 tummy was quite angry my about my life choices, you know, <laughs> by the end of my drinking. Aww. And so I was staying away from IPAs. Yeah. For, but I was a big, like, like in maybe favorite wintertime beer would have been like uh, Breckenridge Brewery's Vanilla Porter. You right. know, I liked some of those, and that was a good darker, heavier beer. I was a big uh, 
90 shilling guy. Mm-hmm. An amber ale, yeah. Uh-huh. When I say IPA, I'm thinking like, I want, I want it more citrusy. Yeah. When it's just a, I go to the Midwest or anywhere in the country for like there's just a lot of places and they're just like, it's, we just have all the hops in the goddamn planet in there and it's, mm-hmm. and it's just a bitter soap. I remember up at, uh, yeah, up at Poor Brothers because they'd opened up uh, a year or two before I stopped drinking and they had this one, it was like the High Hops Brewery or something. Yeah. And you could like, yeah, I could drink one or two of those and then I'd be like, oh my tummy, yep. you know, but I'd be like, I've just been opting for two tart of bread water, so just give me something with a little bit of a so, rounder flavor body. It's very something. easy to drink four, and then all of a sudden you're just like, wow, I've had four loaves of bread. Well, that's a crazy thing about non-alcoholic beer, though, mm-hmm. which has come a long way in uh, in like coming up on like five and a half years since yeah. I, and and... NA beers have gotten a lot better, uh, which I'm grateful for because it's a lot of people who spent clearly a lot of money and, and you know, getting an education on how to make excellent beer and then turned out to have similar sorts of problems to what I did in terms of like. <laughs> a, uh, dude, there's more comics than I feel like not who are either sober or they've cut out something completely. You know, well, and I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of... A lot of sober curiosity now oh yes i think it's interesting because when i started and then i'll meet older people who quit drinking and it's like it's always such a like uh, for the longest time it seems like there was was so much shame attached to it you know and like the shame of just the, the of you drinking of, well, like the shame like of no bad. longer drinking even. Like, oh. you know, like the whole reason why like Alcoholics Anonymous has Anonymous there because it's like we don't want people to. And so people will be very like quiet or mm-hmm. or coy about being in recovery or something like. And it's and it was one of those things where it's like, man, you know, I mean, it's just so funny that that's the sanctioned like chemical yeah. you know and it's hard to like turn on the tv or drive down the road without it being advertised so it is the like sanctioned national pastime and you know but it also like has a pretty proven track record of people like just being reprehensible assholes oh. or saying the meanest possible thing they could say or wrapping their car around a tree yeah and so it's like yeah there's, there's plenty of reasons and a little, if, little too loose and a little too angry sometimes and there's a lot of ways that it might not be for you, mm-hmm. and that's just hunky dory. That's like that's you know? like any drug. Like for weed, might be in my body. We dig it. Well, like and whenever I smoke, and it was funny because it was a, a forwards or backwards. But like frequently when I get when I smoke, I'm just I'm like too high for the first ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah. of smoking the, weed. That's the, the, the what made takeoff. me more of a eating it guy, mm. you know? Really? Because I thought the eating it, all of a sudden, an hour later, you start feeling the, the rev. Then Every nah. once in a while, I'll be out running errands on, on like a weekend or something. Oh. I'll be like, what's going on with me? You know? <laughs> It'll be like, it's oh, not... yeah, you ate you ate a gummy, you mm. know? That's when you start hearing the music. It's not unusual to be loved. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, oh, I, I was just taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered I had some errands to go run. Don't tell the, the, the soccer moms I go to hot yoga with, but I've been, I've been smoking weed before I go in there. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, it's wild. Yeah. I'm just, I'm in the zone. See, I feel like it's like, w- one of the things that moved me more towards liking edibles is... And by the way, they know, because I smell like a right, pile you of just re- <laughs> Well, and that's the other thing I like about eating it more, yes. is you got that nice low profile. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is it's like you smoke weed, you go someplace, you smell like weed, and then, uh, and then it wears off at some point. Yep. You know? You and so it's a really nice even keel eating like a marijuana gummy mm-hmm. or something um i mean i still smoke too but i i like smoking the most when i have nothing important coming up um or, and just when i'm like you know at home just left to my own devices yeah you know watching some stupid on tv or doing art yeah or something like that but it's like and yeah, I used to get the like the paranoia right at the beginning of smoking weed, and then there was some point in my life 
where I just reminded, and it's like those stupid things where you just have to say it out loud to yourself. Mm -hmm. But it was like, oh, yeah, well, sometimes, frequently, you feel a little paranoid or like your thoughts are rushing or like you're too stoned for the first 15 minutes of being stoned if you've smoked it. And so long as you don't dwell on that, like if you go, oh, yeah, this happens every time, as opposed to being like, no, dude, getting in that spiral where it's like you smoke, like oh that was good, and I was saying like, wow, look at that coaster over there. That reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, oh! yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've talked, I've talked. I think it's fun to go on stage with a little bit, but not too much. It's a balancing act, like many things. If you have just a little, just enough, I feel like I'm being silly, mm-hmm. and I'm transferring that silly outward. Well, and that's the funny thing about that's the funny thing about alcohol specifically applied to the idea of performing on alcohol. Right. Right? Is it's like and I'm sure everybody would tell a different number, you know, but when I was drinking, I'd be like, I wanna be I wanna I wanna have the full effect of three beers while I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. Because that way I'm good and loose. I'm feeling a little wacky. I've got the confidence built up, but I'm not like yeah. perceptibly drunk. Right. You're in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right in that right magical in the zone. And the hilarious thing is, is that alcohol is notoriously temperamental. I remember the, you know, like at some point like health class and it'd be like, you can have one beer an hour and that'll you know, according to this blood alcohol. And it's like, and it's like, it's funny because at standup, you're at a bar, you know, it's it's always at a place where alcohol is being served. Unless you're in Utah. And I get it. It's a, it's a worthy facilitator of, of the comic moment. And it's a Mm -hmm. good way for people to make money. But it's like, yeah, so you're at a bar and you're waiting, and the first one, you finish quicker because you were legitimately thirsty. Yep. And you're like, ooh, first beer. And then all of a sudden you order the fourth because you're like, well, the first one is kind of <laughs> maybe wa- wavering off. It was also this thing, too, where it's like- What a mental trapeze it is, huh? You take, well, it's like you have a few drinks, and then maybe you take one hit of marijuana, uh-huh. and it's like, who knows where that's going to put you? Yeah. You know, and some people are really good at the, and so there was all this, all these like shortcuts or the tips and tricks mm-hmm. or whatever, where you're like, well, I'm going to smoke marijuana first and then I'm going to start drinking. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I tried to negotiate it mm-hmm. for a long period of time. And Isn't that um, wild? Oh my God. You know, it's kind of like, it's wild and it like pisses you off in some degree because it's like oh i spent like i spent 23 through 27 kind of waiting for moderation to click in and then at 27 i was just like no i'm a really like sad angry guy specifically because I take this expensive poison yeah. every night. The most expensive, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, the most expensive. And so I was like, and you know, ugh. And it's such a, I mean. Well, part of it becomes your identity, right? And that's the thing. I mean, I remember when I first started stand-up, I was like, younger kid, nothing going odd. And I was like, well, I like weed. So I'm the weed guy. I'm the weed comic now. Right. I got this crutch. Then I'm the weed guy. Uh-huh. And man, it's just like, it, it's it, what a way to box yourself. What a way right? to just fuck yourself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're fucked. I think that's, I mean, that's the like, fascinating. Unless you're Doug Benson. Doug Benson crushed it. <laughs> like, yeah. He nailed it. And he's already out there. Yeah. You know, so he's got to, you got to wait. And mm-hmm. then another weed guy will arise Emerge. to take his place, you know? <laughs> but There's so many, though. I mean, well, to say you're even a weed company, I mean, you go to one open mic, you're like, oh, everyone has one joke about weed. Got it. Mm-hmm. We get it. We all smoke weed, which is particularly in Colorado. Yes, you know, I'm gonna do this thing too. It's uh, and this is to. It's no no chuggy or whatever. Chuggy, chuggy, fucking chuggy, bro. It's no chuggy, but I'm gonna. I'll subtweet 
Colorado comedy or or northern Colorado comedy in general in this way yeah. and say that it, it cracks me up there are a bunch of comics who routinely use like oh I'm too high or oh I smoked so much oh, weed before this mm-hmm. and it's like I think it's so funny because it's like well yeah it's you're at a bar on Thursday night in Colorado like you high, know like gourd. Yeah. like Probably everybody here smokes weed or is not going to be like surprised no. that people around them have smoked weed. And then using the staple, uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, are you. It's, it's a crutch when you do that on stage. Where you're like, oh, uh, just, oh, come on. I'm, I'm high. Like, oh, I'm on. so high. And it's like, well, are you, apo- are you telling me that this would be better? Yeah. You, that this could, would, or should be better. And what you, played your case? Because so far this is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's like it's like everybody can take take for granted that some of the comedians are high. Yeah. Particularly in Colorado, you know, it's no longer even as Surprise. edgy or dangerous. Yeah. That people are high, and it's like, well, of course, yeah. There's like there's a bunch of stores where you can legally go buy it. Here, and California so. too. Mm-hmm. Fuck man. And so it's like it's like yeah, it's not. It's not that surprising. A. <laughs> and then you're kind of like telling us that it could, would, or should be better because you've overindulged mm-hmm. or overimbibed here. And unless you're on like, like I know the Fort is doing that, the Gateway show. Yeah. Where like part of the gimmick is, is that They're high. the performers <laughs> get ludicrously too high. And mm-hmm. so watching, you know, people stumble through jokes and be That's like, funny. oh, he's so baked, bro. Yeah. And it's like, and I, I get the appeal of that. I'm just saying on like any given show being like, like if somebody walked up, unless they were a real master of the craft, but if somebody walked up and they were like, oh, I'm way too drunk to be up here right now, whether you're at an open mic or a book show, you'd be like, okay, oh, uh, well, Somebody get get this <laughs> drunk dick off the stage, you know? Unless you pull a rabbit out of the hat, yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. The op- open mics have been it's been a good time. It's been a good time. And this is the only this is the official podcast of being an open micer right now. <laughs> you know me, I love the open it's mic. Good. And, and it, it, uh, you, oh man, what a microcosm of humanity though, right? Yeah. What a the str- all the struggles I, I like it because open mic has you have such a wide breadth of the performers up there and their ambitions and their understanding of themselves. And then there's also there's like I feel like there's a greater capacity for success or failure moment to moment kind of at yeah. the open mic because you know, you can you can watch well, the well-attended open mic. Yeah. You know, sometimes when it's just, it's like, hey, this is for us. This is just a log flight hours. But like at at the Comedy Fort, consistently having enough civilian representation as it does. And then there's like the while where it takes for them to warm up. And, and I mean, that's, there's a lot of honesty in that. Yeah. As compared to, and you know, on booked shows, it's like every once in a while a performer gets up there and they are not the cup of tea for the people at this venue. But for the most part, whenever anybody like buys a ticket to go see a comedy show. And the show is perfectly made for a comedy show. And it's like. Like good seating and good stage. And one thing, because when I was first getting back into it this year i was mostly doing just the open mic and it was a while before i started like frequently going to book shows again yeah and and my god (laughs) open mics are so fucking long and so there's waves and it's like and and just and being mostly an open mic comedian and seeing a lot of open mic comedy over the years and throughout it's like it's a slog when it's two, three hours, and then you go see some shows, and you're like, oh, oh, an hour and a half. This is the cream. What a better amount of time for anything. 75 minutes? Yeah. Only good bits? The cream? Uh-huh. That's the- Polished bits. Again, every once in a while, and I think 
I think we're in an interesting landscape of it in Colorado, and I have not traveled anywhere near enough to know what it's like in other places. But it's interesting because, like, in Denver, you have a cool urban pocket. Yes. You know? And, and like, a lot of the, and the Denver comics who we see up here and everything, they bring a cool urban energy, uh, a fuck you guy, I'm from a city kind of thing. Mm. You, to, you feel that? To a lot of it. I mean, I mean, there's a different energy, I and then that, you yeah. have, and then you have your college town comics. Mm-hmm. You know, and Fort Collins counts as that. Boulder counts as that. Um, not to say that every person does it college towny, but it's like it's interesting to look at the the difference between Fort Collins and Loveland. For instance, yeah, you know, or or even that in Greeley, which is also a college town, but a lot more of the comedy audience is more like working class Americans. Yep, bar shows, bar shows, bar town, and so like, yeah, and so it's interesting, and we're in. I think I think we're in a cool spot Mm -hmm. for having like a a city scene. A couple college towns and some shows that cater more to college audiences and and cities where it is bar shows. Yeah. And it's not college people. I feel like comics from the South usually have a they don't have that 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 like cool guy stuff. It's very inviting, a very inviting in personality. Yeah. I think I feel like and I feel that way too, like I would even I would even say the the southern parts of the Midwest, like when you watch performers from like you know Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, or something, they've got to have that that charm, and they can still be like aggressive. Haley Raven. Haley Raven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Haley Raven. Name drop. Uh, they can still be aggressive. But there's like a affability or a way of being like, oh, you know, because because yeah, I, Haley Raven is definitely an aggressive comic, mm-hmm. but there's also this like spirit or air of of familiarity, and although she isn't invite, she isn't doing a lot to like, she's never like visibly or apparently pandering. But people already feel as though they've been like invited in yeah. past a first barrier. They're ready to go, and she's given them the straight. Dope. Half of like I think open my comedy is learning how to put your your meat and bones on a stage, and then they're like, "How do I just get these people to listen with intent ears to me?" Yeah, and I think that's and you know and that's one of those that's one of the deeply unfair parts of yeah. all <laughs> yeah. all performing arts uh-huh. is is there's a certain degree and it's not to say that it can't be developed or learned but there's a lot of like do you have it or not and it can be being attractive or having a <laughs> having an attractive voice or any kind of combination of those things yeah and i, I think right. and and like you were saying like starting with the weed you know, starting out as the weed comedy guy. Yeah. And when I started really doing stand-up, um, and, you know, I have my whole weird, like, first half of stand-up and uh-huh. a few years off, and then, you know. You've had you've had definitely books. If, 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 like, you know how Picasso had, like, the Blue Age and, like, the whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Different eras of art. Yeah, you had the bread... bread Breadwater. Breadwater years. Intensely breadwatered. The in-betweeners, and now you're in the, the golden age. I, you know, it, well, it's an interesting... I wouldn't it, say golden age, but you know. Yeah, not yet. Don't put that Don't yeah. put that cap on me, you yeah. know? <laughs> uh, but it's like, it is interesting because I think that when you're on stage, when you're on stage early and when you're on stage, you know, relatively, like, young, you are still, there's still so much of that, like, who the fuck am I? What am I? But what am I oh, all about? Watching you know? someone who doesn't know who they are on stage is a very interesting predicament, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and because you can see all these ways that you try on all these hats, mm-hmm. and 
and I mean, some of it all a credit to the absence of drinking in my life. And then some of it is just more time and lived experience. Mm -hmm. uh, it, because there's way less. And, and some of it also comes down to the making peace with not being cool. Because there's way less of yeah. like, maybe I should try and be more tough oh, this time. No, or yeah. like, hey, you know, I'm going to, or, or, oh, I really got to like, I got to let them in more. You know, they need to see, uh, they need to see my wounds. That's the head fucky thing. compassion to me. Isn't it the head fucky thing about performing though? Is like you, it's already an, a fucked up thing you're doing for the first time doing stand up where you're going, you're going to a room of people, you're going to make up a laugh. It's a, like, I don't know about you, your first time, but my first time, it felt like someone just strapped my heart to like a generator and it went, and I was like, oh, fuck, out of my mind. Oh, I mean, the first several years. So you're battling that. I did. Well, it's like there's too much noise. Yes. You know, it's like if for some reason, like every gesture, your emotional life, like you watch people fumble over a little bit of a sentence and get really like fixated on that mm -hmm. and be like, I fucked up. The whole thing's ruined now. Yeah, fuck. And so there's so much interior noise and it takes, and I think, you know, that was like one of the early mistakes I made and I think a lot of people make where it was like I needed those couple beers to like get loose and acclimate to the thing and then all of a sudden that was like a, without even knowing it, I was suddenly like, dependent on it yeah you know it was linus's blanket and he's dragging around you know before <laughs> before it even like actually starts to fuck up your life you're like well i you know i i gotta get there and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll i'll meet everybody and i'll smoke just a little bit of marijuana and Not i'll drink a little and then, and then all of a sudden a someone bit, i'll just have just the right amount of drinks mm -hmm. and two hours later you're ass in the air yeah. In the, just, in the, in the alley. Ugh, yeah. Just, ugh. <laughs> Grueling. And, yeah. Yeah, it's the open mic, dude. I mean, I think it's all, a shitload of it is in, in like, just getting, th doing comedy and making it something you either want to do for a living or something you do just because you love it and that's your thing, is you figure out what your body can handle. But, yeah, it's that weird, I think it's, it's so interesting because you watch people, and the thing I, you know, really love about open mic because you're watching people adjust and try things from week to week mm -hmm. and there's certainly like dud weeks in which case just the like the flight hours i all i also think you know that you watch you watch people do comedy and you can tell what kind of comedy they grew up watching and you can also see those people influenced by like what is contemporarily big in comedy. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, like, for instance, now, and, and you know, because having... You always have that person, you're like, you... It feels like everyone, like, steals a voice for a bit. Well, and, and I feel like there's... Like, the only way to start mm -hmm. is to, like, write a joke that is your version of your favorite comedian's Kind of joke. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. I also think, though, that there's, like, these huge... So, like, for instance, I... Probably my first serious pass at comedy was... Or, you know, first period of time in my life when I was doing it, you know, pretty much on a weekly basis, was, like, 2011 to 2014. Um... Now, and coming back to it, and it was something that struck me kind of immediately w when I started again in, in 2019, is now autobiographical comedy. It's everywhere. And confessional comedy and comedy that is like sort of splits the difference between like a David Sedaris essay <laughs> or like a moth storytelling show. Yeah. And some of the times, like a TED talk, is so much more of a de facto. It's like Edinburgh. Unleashed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so and it's weird because you watch some people show up and just immediately know, oh, that's what comedy is. Yeah, and they're living in this in this strange. I was talking about it uh, over text, um, 
but you know the, the full content of our conversation would be some serious shade so <laughs> it would be unchuggy of me to <laughs> divulge on the pod but i was talking about it with ryan and we were describing like the hyper realness of because it isn't it isn't like they're being exhibitionists when it's younger comics who are like laying their entire lives bare on the stage yeah and it isn't necessarily like they're being exhibitionists because they aren't so much like, ooh, look at me. It's it's that in the generation where autobiographical comedy has has become like the de facto mm-hmm. it's autobi- center point of comedy. And then also maybe the like way that with social media and everything, we, we just live Whoa. totally post-privacy. Isn't that wild? You know, somebody somebody in their early 20s probably just like knows that privacy doesn't exist what? in a way that is far more disturbing to old, yeah. oldish guys. Isn't that wild? It's, I mean, yeah, we're going to be old and be like, oh, fuck. It's I like, mean, I'm already, wow, like, I'm already like, oh, fuck. That's a lot of personal information mm-hmm. about TikTok you. alone, I'm like, oh, so you're, fuck. So you're talking? Are you ticking? No, I won't. Are you I, talking? I probably should. It's the only way you get a following because everyone's a product. <laughs> you know, I think, though, that that, I think that, and I, which is very unchuggy of me, but I don't know shit about shit. You know, it's worth <laughs> yeah. it's worth noting. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like that's gonna like the pendulum's gonna swing the other way. At some I really point, hope so because right now the internet is flooded with. I mean, not that like I'm, I'm gonna say like anything we create is ever gonna be the best thing ever. I mean, I'm, I definitely will work hard to make it good, and I love doing it live, and I love making stuff, but. The thing that I can't stand is there's everything just got flattened to a point where someone making chopping honey off a log is the same amount of views or way way more views people will people see that through the algorithm more than like someone who spent like ten years writing like a sonnet or some like right piece of art. Yeah, it's a weird, and I mean, I think some of it is gonna like yeah, some of it is gonna irrevocably change. I think about all the time. It's like it. We, we used to live pre-internet. We kind of lived in a monoculture. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's like grunge music specifically forced hair metal and glam rock off of the radio. Yeah. So then grunge music was the face of rock for a period of time Took because over. there was because there's a limited number of radio stations. So it's like, well, it's going to be this or it's going to be that. Uh and now nothing ever gets killed in truly the same way. No. It just kind of gets diverted, but it continues on its own channel. And then at some point it might, right now, like pop punk is strangely huge again. Yep. In in local music. And it, or I mean, just in internet music, TikTokers. A nostalgia wave or something like that. It's like that. a nostalgia wave, and it's also like people who were little kids listening to pop punk the first time it came around who are like, hey, dope, you know, and are <laughs> cool. now, and are now like yeah. 20-somethings. We turned that crushing feeling of dread into, all right, we're going to the party. Into some bops. Yeah, and Travis woo. Barker is still drumming on all of them. Which is Wild. very strange. Very yeah, good strange. on him. That's a lot of work to be yeah. a drummer that long. Yeah, I know. You want to hear my impression of an audio autobiographical comic? How do you say that? Autobiographical. Autobiographical. Yeah, one of them. All right. It's the same. This is the same. Uh, so this is my life. This is my life. I do this. I've actually I've written some jokes. I've written some jokes specifically. That could start with things like a little bit about me, a little about because me. I want to like Ooh. camouflage myself more into how like, because yeah. like I'll be on a show and there's and there's a lot of the people doing autobiographical comedy who are writing actual jokes and can turn a phrase yes. and are good at it. No, yes. so I don't want to like. We're not shitting on everybody. We're not shitting on everybody. We're shitting on a lot of people. The few, okay, the proud. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, but but it is, it's it's kind of funny because it's like, I've been coming back into things, booked on a handful of shows yeah, and been like, oh, I'm the only person on this show who just has some jokes. 
as opposed to like wants to unpack my life story yeah. and you know and yeah. it's like no i just i kind of wanted to i wrote these uh these funny little paragraphs mm-hmm. and uh i'm here to share those from seeing mitch hedberg's act you would never know a goddamn thing about him except that right. he's funny as shit and i love that yeah i love that too. i love that and so, but I've been intentionally writing things that have a little bit of the preface. And some of the times I even, I've been even doing them at the open mic, like a little bit about me, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, a little bit about a, me, because I feel like it's like in a weird way, mm-hmm. like I would have never thought. And, and that first era when I was uh, a young, pretentious piece of shit Same. doing comedy, Same. you know, yep. I was like. I was trying to be like very like take over the world. performance arty yeah. and edgy and you don't like, get my oh, art. Oh, people man. aren't gonna see like people aren't gonna people just aren't gonna get this, yeah. man. And, yeah. and fuck them if they don't. And in the years since, I've come around and been like, oh, you know the the point is to allow people to laugh. Yeah, you know, it's like you're establishing tension, and then you're providing relief to the tension pretty insane how honest the crowd can be to you and that's like and that is the primary arguably maybe the only point i'm not here to educate them i don't need to like make them think i'm not actually trying to blow their minds Mm -hmm. it's like i want to i want to tell them my funny sentences and ideally they'll also think that my funny they'll think that my funny sentences are as funny as i do yeah. Maybe even funnier. Hope to God. <laughs> but now it's like it's it's taken on this far more like personal and your personality up there kind of thing. And it has. And it's also it's like hemmed into people who have appealing social media presence. Yeah. And, and I, stuff. that's the thing, too, is like everyone's just selling themselves. Right. Before it was you're selling yourself to a five minute act that you sell to people and they give you a tv show you retire now as you sell your act through who you are through your social media you never deviate from who you are whatever that is you've established and the brand the brand right? thinking about staying on brand mm-hmm. and yeah and so i'm in this funny place where i'm like i never thought it would be I'd, yeah always been a contrarian at heart you know if somebody's like somebody's like yeah Check out this band. They rock. I'll be like, uh, maybe they rock for babies. But do they know? <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, and and so always been a contrarian at heart. But yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised by it's like I never knew how edgy or contrarian or against the grain I could be just by writing a funny sentence, yep. standing up there and delivering it, being like, this is a funny sentence. In fact, yeah. you're not supposed to glimpse anything about me. If I'm really doing my job, you're more confused about who I am yeah. than before. That's great, man. I mean, that's that, I I want to hear someone do that cadence of the autobiographic biograph. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a little about me. I uh, well, I've killed a couple people, and I uh, still on the land, still and, uh, <laughs> running away, which is hard because. It, because I've been saying it on stage every... <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a funny yeah. thing, too, is it's like I feel like people... It, it's interesting. How do you want to be perceived? How do you want to be perceived, right? Well, and so, like, open micers spend so much time... They, they put so much energy in their writing and their presence on stage into trying to convince you that the story they're telling is true. Mm-hmm. And some of the times they're they're doing that either to sell the lie because this entire bit is contrived or to tell you why they have like authority and license to make this funny sentence. Yeah. And it's and it's the thing where it's like okay. Well, you're adding a lot of baggage. Yeah. There's a lot of dead air here. <laughs> Cuz there's so many people who are like great comics who tackle those issues but can make them funny like the like you know, but and they do it crisply. Yeah, crisp. You know, just Years of crisp, yeah. sharp, just bam, mm-hmm. bam, bam. And I, I think it's interesting because comedy is like, is a synthesis of all of these where you're you're writing and you're doing it on stage. There's a, there's a, I feel like, and you and I have talked about this before, there's always like the trapping of like 
typically some fresh young faced college lad and they show up and they tell some joke about like cocaine and hookers yeah and it's like no no man like i don't i don't think pulling your putt on a friday night more like it yeah Yeah. it's like i don't think i don't think you actually i don't think those things actually pertain to your reality and i'm not saying did I think a comedian who makes a joke about prostitutes needs to regularly sleep with prostitutes? Right. I'm saying that they should look like to the audience. <laughs> Maybe that's the joke. It's though. like, oh, I buy it. Yeah, you know yeah. that guy. Well, and there are some people who could perform that, like, um, you know, like uh, I went, one person who jumps to mind is like is like sweet, fresh faced Noah Reynolds. Mm, from yes. down in Denver, he has, he does such a perfect job of like performing into and undermining the expectations of of what people get when they see him yeah. and hear him, you know. And so I think he he performs that very consciously, very well. But you watch a lot of people do stuff again especially on the open mic level you watch a lot of people do stuff and just know that in their head they look they look and sound remarkably different to the audience oh yeah and in coming back to it now and being like in my early 30s (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like i i feel like the de facto lessons of of years and years of, of performing and reading and writing and of a, and a variety of things. Many artistic, dis, like, you know. And then, and then just the lived experience. Mm-hmm. One thing you you and I have talked about is both having had some, like, blue-collar jobs. Oh, fuck. And, then off, and it's like, and it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I was actually, I was just thinking this uh, within the last couple of days where I was like, you know, thank God my life didn't work out to where I was like the, you know, pretentious 23-year-old just graduated with a bachelor's degree in theater and like, and and man, some of it has really sucked, but yeah. like, thank God I had to go work a bunch of other jobs. You know, yes. I was thinking, I was like, man, I would be so out of touch and... And like many just, of the top influencers. Like the, yeah, like the parallel universe. If me of now, yeah. me of now is pretending to see the parallel universe version of my life where from like 23 on, I had just like gotten to act, whether it would have been, you know, doing stand up or stage theater or film stuff. Or, yeah. But I was like, man, what if I'd like just never actually had to work, you know, or had thought that my working life from like 16 to 23 counted and was enough. Yeah. Then it's like... God, boot work. I boot, have, boot work put me in my place. Yeah. It really did. I oh, mean, it's I, humbling. I, I remember like I got two breaks a day, 15 minutes, that's it. You get 15, mm-hmm. 15, and they're like, you can work through lunch, which we recommend because that's how you get your hours. Uh, <laughs> so like you have to work through lunch, and the 15-minute breaks were like, I remember like that was like my time to make people laugh. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to fuck off with these dudes who are uh-huh. like in their 40s, 50s. Because you got to build that rapport yeah. and, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I'm just like, personally, I'm just like, I got to blow off some steam from this. I'm getting up at 6 a.m. to go oh my God. trudging. Fucking Christ. Yeah, I've had some up at 6 a.m. jobs and some, you know, Ugh. and it's just grueling and working in a cold shop and like. I'd be pouring hot wax for bronze sculptures and they'd have like tours come in. And like they'd always be like, "Do you have to go to college for this?" And I'm always like, "No, this is a this is a you just like, need a monkey." I did accidentally go to college. Oh yeah, I'm just paying for it. <laughs> here I wound up doing this, making negative money. I actually shouldn't have gone to college. Yeah, is the lesson I'm living in right now. You know what the excuse was at my old job? They were like, "Hey, if you, uh, you know, we can't get you guys health insurance because you all smoke weed." So. You know. We, oh, that was it. That was it. And like, damn, you'd get drug tested. Oh. Damn. Like, or <sighs> boot work. Boot work. Put you in a mindset. Boot work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I shout out to all the boot workers out there. It's real, real life, you know. And it's and it's interesting because again, there are people that it's like, you know, I've talked about this specifically where it's like, 
doing those shows in Loveland or in Greeley is facilitated by those chapters of my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a redder a redder room, you know, more more people who just wake up, go to work, not tied into the city life at all. Mhm. Yeah. And well, and the way that like people people who even strike the Loveland crowds as like overly academic-y, yeah. Or they're just immediately irritated by yeah. them, you like, know? And so it's like, it's how fucking do you read books? And it's like, well, how do you like straddle that line? Yeah. You know? And it's like, I want, I want in my comedy, I want all of those people to be equally rewarded and equally unnerved by my presence, you know? Yes. Striking the balance, Nick Holland. Well, it's like, I mean, I've been really trying to, and I've been really proud of where my writing is at, you know. Dude, you're crushing this, it. In this, like, in the, the comeback season, because, you know, I, I... You've been doing it for so long, and it's it's very funny to see all the open micers come, like, because they think you're probably starting kind of, like, kind of recently, because they haven't seen much of you, but, like, you, you are able to write bits that we're all just like, oh, fuck yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, so with yes. comedy, and it's a weird... It's, it was like weird and it was very clunky. It was only recently where I was like, oh yeah, that was how. But I mean, and so I've done stand up uh, seven of the last 12 years. I, you know, did a, a bunch of stage theater for a period of time in that. It, and, uh, and some improv, some film acting stuff, improv, like right at the very beginning. Improv was kind of that moment where you like realize. Oh, I have I have a little bit of like a special improv was the thing that moved it from like I can be funny to my friends at the lunch table to funny to dude. like I can make a room of people laugh. Mm-hmm. Get you your know? first laugh. What was your first laugh? You remember a room full of people laughing? Mine was definitely at school, but the biggest one I ever had was about four thousand people at Moby Stadium during my senior. Wow, four thousand people. Yeah, I was gonna. I don't, maybe not that much, but I was giving a speech. To all these people who are graduating with all their parents in there, it's a whole whole high school is graduating, and they gave me this thing to read, and I'm reading it, and I accidentally read the same line twice, and I go, wait a second, uh oh, <laughs> and then I just said I'm gonna restart, and I just read it, and I'm as I'm reading it, everyone's dying because like this fucking yeah. idiot. Uh-huh. But like filling that room. Oh my god! I was yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I did. Divine amount of of energy coming at you. I mean, so yeah, so I remember. I've I've no idea what the like the first laugh was, but um, I remember in maybe like the second semester of of freshman year, or or maybe the first semester of sophomore year in in high school, and I was in a drama class, and they did an improv section, and just kind of like being able to run a little further or a little faster than than a lot of the other kids in the class and it was like oh wait that's a that might be a skill Mm -hmm. and then i wrote a funny list for my high school newspaper and so that was like the the writing mechanics of it you know and i think i mean it's like both of my parents were funny are funny people Mm -hmm. in their own different ways right and and my dad was a big like classic comedy fan, yeah. you know. So I mean, you had funny friends growing up too. Yeah, I had. I mean, it was like I instantly like just being goofy with friends mm-hmm. is kind of the. And again, it's like it's a weird when you try and scale or extend that out. I do remember that kind of like in middle school, I started to realize that sometimes I was even funny to the teachers. Mm, and that that was that was like where because it gave me a lot more latitude and i could also see that like a lot of my friends that were funny to the other kids weren't necessarily funny to the teachers yeah and i was like oh shit there's there's something here you know magic and then like and i mean yeah i feel like because i talked to a lot of a lot of people i've met doing stand-up and they'll have said that they've known that it was stand-up mm-hmm. the entire time for them. Even when I was doing improv, I was like, I want to do stand-up. For me, well, so the first times I did stand-up was I was doing improv uh, 
and and like some guys that I was in some improv groups with and we'd splintered off and we made our own little improv group because we were like the youngest stonerist Fuck this kind guys. of dudes. We'll start our own crew. We were like, well, it was like one of the big things was, so we were all in the local improv groups up here in Fort Collins, Clown Box and Full Disclosure at the time. And, and both of them like didn't want to deal with like blue or dirty material and we were like you know 20 year old dudes and it was like what do you mean we can't say the word fuck you know like it's such a funny word you know and so it like and so it kind of helped us to like splinter off and then all all three of us kind of like in reflection we're like well stand up is a logical important skill to be able to do and then and then so did a little bit that's actually the period of time those are the only back then when i was like you know 20 21 was the only times that i did comedy works new talent night which is why it's like funny that i'm signing up on the website again now yeah um but and then both those guys were a couple years older than me and they moved off to chicago and and then I started doing like theater uh, through the college because it was just like my funny friends left and moved away. And then having to do and then it's like you do theater for a little while, and eventually you do theater and they make you do a serious play. That's where you get your sea legs, huh? You know. And so having to do the serious play mm-hmm. because in that and this is something I always try and talk to early or young comedians about is it's like when you're starting comedy and but also if you if you don't have a lot of other experience it's like there is only the laugh a meter yeah right yeah. so it's like when they aren't laughing you are failing mm-hmm. and then so then when you have to do like so doing some just some serious theater it was like then you're able to tell the difference between them paying attention and not paying attention. Oh yeah, and that's more of just like an energetic thing. You got stage legs. You can really sense. You have a sense of mm-hmm. like what's going. on. Because like, improv taught me what's funny. Find a thing that's funny and then keep fucking with it. Chase it. Chase the funny thing. Build it. Yeah. You got to be like stacking on top keep, of it. Like the thing you said something funny. You got to have something loaded. Next thing, mm-hmm. right? Oh, they're digging this uh-huh. accent, man. You know, they're digging this accent. <laughs> Yeah. Keep screaming things in this Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. And if it boils over, just start a new pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, fuck, man. And so, yeah, being able to feel that, like, that sense of tension. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's, I mean, and I love, I love the, the science and mysticism of stand-up comedy. Because as, as compared to theater or, uh, I mean, even even as compared to improv, you know, it's like it's like, and especially compared to film stuff, you know, it's like stand up is so fucking simple. It's you know, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is a. It's like the. But so easy to fuck up, and so well in the hard sim- to do when it, it's like really like to, to craft something completely new of your own for an hour. That's good, unique. All the check boxes. That's well, just work. In the implicit simplicity, it like it spirals off and it's and it's more complex than any of those. Yeah, things, the more you, you know? add on, like I add this joke on that has this tag, and like, oh, should I add another tag? Or what joke should you go after that joke? And then where well this joke's here. What do I open with here? What's the closer? Oh, this is the new closer, this is the new second all the shit can just start getting crowded. Like whoa! All the decisions you can make. Well, and the and the like emotional extremity of it too. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, in that's the biggest thing I think a lot of people don't follow is like what's the emotional state of you in that bit right there. Mm-hmm. And and well and like and being able to I think I think stand up is so interesting because it's like you gotta boil down and I heard I heard somebody I think I think. Uh, Ryan, when we were down in Vision Quest the other week, he was he was complaining about like an open micer who had shown up and said that they were like never going to do the same material two weeks in a row. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, you know, uh, 
that sucks. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that sucks mm-hmm. that, uh, that you've decided to pursue this in this way. Uh, but And this was a thing that I had a huge problem with, like my early passes at stand-up, was figuring out how to hone and refine yeah. the same funny paragraph and then do it in such a way that it is alive in the space and responsive to this crowd of people this time. Yeah. You know, and that, that is like figuring out how to react to that. Because you watch, uh, uh, you know, watching. I've seen so many comics do the thing where they will write a funny tweet and they'll try and take it on stage and it just eats it. And just do it verbatim. Yeah. And they then they'll be it. like, and then they'll be like, well, I guess it, I guess it wasn't funny. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, it was, it was funny in, in that context. And now you're having to like transport it over into this entirely different context, you know, cause, cause like stand up and, and it's the, I've, and I've used this metaphor to you before, but it's like early open micers, it's. It's the baby turtles hatching on the beach thing. And it's like, man, a lot of different birds and crabs are going to devour <laughs> yeah. the fuck. Oh, there's that heckler these, crab. You know? Oh, no, there's that bird over there that's... Yeah, that's, the that's, bigger comic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... Uh, and then there's that big piece, that, that giant rock that gets in the way that's just like they open with like, hey, you fucking bitches. And it's like, <laughs> right. Whoa. It's like when you, yeah, uh, when you open uh, threatening the audience because yeah, you, you saw somebody... Because you saw somebody who seemed to have a real command of the stage and you remember that they were vaguely aggressive so you're like oh i should tell them to fuck themselves first thing yeah right? oh go up there tell them to go fuck themselves and then like hey why y'all not laughing i'm gonna threaten i'm gonna tell them i'm gonna kill myself a when little I get about home me i'm gonna kill myself, <laughs> I'm gonna kill myself if you don't like this <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah. oh that works every time i mean Solid gold. Fill out Madison Square Garden. Solid gold shits, you know? <laughs> I'm going to kill myself if this uh, yeah. doesn't go okay. Mm-hmm. What about me? Uh, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's all these it's all these pitfalls, but it's, it's like people uh, believe that writing a funny sentence on the internet or telling a story to your friends is effectively the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you find this? I find that, like... And it's why it's it's why you should never, uh, I mean that constant irritating thing of oh you're a comedian tell a joke yeah, at a at a yep. job or at a party or something. Yep. But I find that my jokes and like and my jokes that are working very well on stage currently this year they don't do well. They can't. If they can't, you gotta it's have like, that feeling of like because you have a lot of emotion in your bits. And it's and a, and a tension you build. The tension, yeah. When someone's just taking a shit and they're reading like, oh, you know, words, it's got to be just grammatically sentence structure funny, right? As opposed to like, like, like with John, like watching John Doerr a couple weekends ago when I was opening, I was hosting for him. He, all his bits are like long tensions, a lot mm-hmm. of tensions. Usually a pop and then a tension building pop again, right? And when he, well, I'm not going to, no, maybe I shouldn't say, hmm. On that last show? That last show. On I that last him, show when he I was gave, a little loose? Yeah, a little loose, yeah. He was a little loosey-goosey. Yeah, I asked him if he wanted any weed the night before, and he's like, oh, I usually just do mushrooms. And I was like, oh, okay, so the next night. You helped him out. I helped him out. You helped him out. And his late show, he just started giggling through a lot of his bits, and it, it, he just had to like go tell the crowd, like, I'm a... Uh, yeah, at I'm some point mushrooms. he came clean. <laughs> yes. and it was like, well, oh yeah. And then the cop, like, guy in the corner, is like, he's like, he actually asked the crowd, he's like, "Is anyone a cop here?" And the guy was just like, "I'm off duty." That was so I good. suspect that that guy wasn't really a cop. Either way, great timing. It was a helper. He did have good timing, but it was like a helper heckling kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know. I suspected that that guy wasn't th- actually. A you cop. thought there was ill will, ill will in the audience. I well, I think I thought he was just he was just fucking with mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, just fucking with yeah. him. You know, yeah, it was a great. It was it was a very lived in moment. You know, I think uh, well, so it's like yeah, there's that there's that suspension and tension, and then there's the artificiality of because like comedy is supposed to feel vaguely like a conversation but it is 
it is not supposed to be a good enough simulation of a conversation that people think they're actually supposed to give you info back. Yeah. You know, and yeah, occasionally there's, you know, an overserved individual who has to be part of the moment or whatever. But for the most part, people understand like the social coda and etiquette, but you're still supposed to like fake that it's a conversation. Yeah. And, and so there's so many, uh, there's so many bits and a lot of the stuff I've been writing and performing, uh, this year, it's like, there are so many things that involve a question that take for granted that the audience is not going to respond. And so it's like, it's a funny question to say to the room, but so once somebody asked me for an example of one of my bits and I, I trotted out and we were actually, we were driving in a car and I did the, do you guys think bicycle cops have to be home by sundown? And then I just paused and I (laughs) left the pregnant pause there and they were like, uh no so i was like well cool that's that's one of the bits that's uh it seems well that's one of the bits i'm gonna stop sharing them with you now uh there needs to be an aura i told uh my cat joke to my brother and over the phone and he was like that is the most depressing shit i've ever heard after like a pause (laughs) and then you're like well you've never been to open mic yeah well i worked at the open bar and i was like i i told him I was like, the cat joke is just like, my cat died um, 10 years ago. I got to bury it, I guess. Still on my side of the bed, right? Still on my side of the bed. I feel like that's the... uh... That's when I just get so silly. I think I I have a sense of humor where, um, I mean, I, I think a lot of comics have it, where something, a lot of dealing with depression is you make something so depressed, it's absurd. Yeah, you got to push a little further and a little further. I feel like that joke has adequate levels it's like i think about like jokes periscoping and collapsing a lot of the times you Mm -hmm. know and it's like that you want these kind of these shifts in in perspective you know yeah Um, imagery like imagery adding imagery yeah this has been a very technical episode of i love it yeah yes i love it yes god bless you nick holland god bless you luke god bless america and um Free the... Free the imprisoned.